the white smoke has come out of Winthrop Coliseum. There's a new head basketball coach at Winthrop University. We have the final four, all four teams west of the Mississippi. Not sure when that has happened. And you also have an all-new Bearded CarCast. I am Mike Pacheco, alongside my uh, my Bearded CarCast brethren, Dave Friedman. And as uh, I think a lot of people in the Winthrop community will uh, be happy to hear, Mark Prosser, now the new head coach at Winthrop Basketball. If this is the first time you're hearing of it, you probably don't pay particularly close right. attention to Winthrop Basketball, and that's okay. If you don't pay particularly close attention to Winthrop Basketball, you may still know the name Prosser. That's a name that is revered in basketball circles. His father, the late Skip Prosser, longtime head coach at Xavier and at Wake Forest. Of course, the last nine years at Winthrop, we heard a lot about Skip Prosser, Mm -hmm. the mentor for Winthrop's former coach, Pat Kelsey, who's now at College of Charleston. It is important that when you hire a new basketball coach, when you hire anyone, in whatever role you might be hiring for, that you do a thorough job. It does not mean you are going to hire the best person. It does not mean it is going to be successful. But if you can stand behind the process, you can feel good at what you think is going to happen. And if it doesn't go well, you can still feel like you went through in the proper channels. It is impressive to me the way Winthrop went through the search. They arrived at maybe the most obvious candidate from the start, but it clearly was not handed to him. I liked when uh, Ken Halpin said in the press conference that uh, he he made it in such a way, and he thought that Mark would appreciate it, that this was going to be a competition. In in some respects, you could maybe make the argument it was harder for Mark because there was the relationship— uh, and I think there was a desire not to make it look like a rubber stamp. They wanted to have a, a legitimate process. And I think that was that was achieved. And I think they ended up with, you know, from what we understand, uh, you know, we don't want to mention anything, but three really good candidates. And they ended up with a guy who has a history here. But I, I think maybe one of the best pieces out of this, Dave, is the fact that I think Mark's probably going to be a better coach now than if this had happened three years ago because he's had that three years as a head coach. Yes, I mainly agree with that. It was a thorough search. To me, the question with Mark is really, really simple. He was an assistant at three programs that all won NCAA tournament games or had one. They didn't win one when he was at Winthrop, but they won at Bucknell and they won at Wofford. They went at Winthrop and advanced. And, and they kind of they advanced to the first two places. Yeah. And at Winthrop, they kind of laid the groundwork for right. what we saw the last three years. Now, he went to Western Carolina. It's a really hard job. It's hard to recruit to the mountains, kind of the middle of nowhere. It's in the SOCON, which is having a moment or mm-hmm. more than one moment. The last several years have been really, really good in the SOCON. There's a reason that Steve Forbes went from a SOCON school to the ACC. <laughs> There's a reason that when North Carolina finishes their search, Wes Miller is going to be, if not the candidate, certainly Mm -hmm. one of them. He's at UNC Greensboro. Furman saw Nico Medved go to Colorado State, and Bob Ritchie is a candidate for a lot of big jobs. The SOCON is at a very high level right now, and aside from the military schools, Western Carolina might be the most difficult job in that conference. Year one, I think you necessarily get a pass. They weren't very good. Year two, they were terrific. They they won 
10 or 11 or 12 more games than they had in the first. Huge turnaround from year one. Huge year turnaround. Two. This last year, it didn't go that well. They got off to a really strong start. Yeah, they 72. ran into COVID problems and they weren't very good down the stretch. But how much of that is an outlier? How much of that are there legitimate reasons for? And when we talked to Coach Prosser, I didn't feel like he made any excuses. And when we talked to Ken Halpin, the athletic director at Winthrop, I thought that he was very clear about having asked those questions and gotten the answers he was looking for. Yeah, I think he definitely was satisfied with with what he heard. And he had to be, Dave, because I think that was the one the one concern that a lot of people had was, you know, this past year in the, the overall record. But, you know, I think this is a different situation. And I probably, probably should have asked this to Ken. I didn't. Um, but it's interesting if this were a complete teardown, you know, would this decision still would have been made? Yeah, it's a good question, but that's not the case. Right, the, that's not the, the case. The fact of the matter is they're coming off a 23-2 and two win season, and for now 20-some years, they have been the program in the Big South Conference. How do you maintain that? Well, you'd like to maintain a lot of the players. It's early. Players can find out that they have great opportunities elsewhere or they don't jive with a coaching staff or they think they connect better somewhere, but the early signs are the players seem to be on board. I thought it was a really, really good sign that Michael Anumba and DJ Burns were at the press conference today. Well, you want to have that support. And I know, you know, they had called around a bunch of kids were out of town, so not surprising. But yeah, I thought it was great that two, not just two, two players on the team, it wasn't like two walk-ons were there. I mean, it was two, two of the star players, two of the leaders of this team. And, and that was something that was really prevalent really in the last nine years with, with Pat Kelsey. It's been built up to the last couple of years, but there really is that 25 strong and, you know, the feeling of community and family and these guys really like being together. I think that's a big part of, you know, if this team stays together, I think that's going to be why. And I think, you know, some of the continuity with the staff, uh, you know, Mitch Hill, who's uh, director of basketball operations, he had a hand in recruiting most of the players on this current roster. So I, I think there's, there's some good symbiotic, type things going on here. that led And to Mark decision. recruited DJ before right. DJ went to Tennessee yeah. and was on the staff when Mike Anumbo was coming into the yeah. school, didn't coach him, but kind of knew of him. So there is a familiarity. Now, let's be honest. If we were sitting here and saying that Justin Gray got the job, I think we would have a lot of very positive things mm -hmm. to say about him. Doesn't have the head coaching experience that Mark Prosser does, but is very well connected in the basketball community is well, you and I think he has a huge upside. I mean, he, he's good charismatic. charismatic, he knows his ex's nose, yeah. he is Played incredibly overseas. well connected. Yeah. He had an incredible playing career. I think Justin's going to be a star, yeah. and I think that's what we've learned. We love Mark Prosser personally. We knew him for six years, we've stayed in touch with him in the time he has left Winthrop. He is a great person. We will see how he does at Winthrop. I have high expectations and a strong belief he'll succeed, but I know he's a great guy. I feel similarly about Justin Gray. Yeah. If he had been the choice, I would have been very happy and satisfied with that. But what we've learned or what I've learned, I won't speak for you, is the way the search was conducted, the thoroughness, the vetting, the candidates. And that's not to say there weren't good candidates that weren't talked to. You cannot talk to everyone. Right, you right. Can, At you, some point, you have to whittle it down to a small group. Right. But like, I am abundantly clear that 
the decision makers consulted the right people, talked to many qualified people, and came to an incredibly reasonable decision. No, I think that's entirely fair. I found it very interesting that some of the decision makers were maybe not people that we think of when we associate with Winthrop. The the counsel that Ken Halpin consulted with, aside from his staff, included several people from the Rock Hill community. John Godbold, who is our good mm-hmm. friend, who has been generous to Winthrop for a long time, incredibly reasonable that he would be a part of it, an incredibly successful businessman who's retired here at Rock Hill and been very, very generous to the community. David Williams, who is on the board in a similar vein to John. But there was a Carolina Panthers name that I don't know that people would necessarily have jumped out and said, Stephen Drummond, what is his involvement? To me, that seems really smart. Absolutely. He was involved in the, the Matt Rule coaching search that the Carolina, uh, Carolina Panthers just undertook. You know, he's on the foundation board, you know, Rock Hill native, really is, you know, on board. I know his dad used to work here, you know, really on board with, what, with what's going on with Winthrop. And I, I think it was incredibly smart having him dialed in on this. I think the more smart people, the more diverse people, the more people that can give you an opinion without bias, but have the right interests in mind, lead to good decisions. I also think Rock Hill has changed. And I know Coach Kelsey has has talked about at one point early in his tenure talking about suburban Charlotte and Rock Hill as its own community. And and he's right. right. People are proudful of their neighborhood and their community. But the Panthers are moving to Rock Hill, mm-hmm. and you want to be friendly and have a good relationship with the people that are throwing around the the clout in the neighborhood, and that's going to be the Panthers. Well, and think about the, the symbiotic relationship. I've used symbiotic now twice in this podcast. I think that's a bearded car cast record. <laughs> um, but just think about the possibilities, not just on the professional side, meaning, uh, you know, staff interactions and, and maybe grooming people here to, to, to work there, maybe down the road and, and you know, and anything like HR communications, whatever. Uh, but the opportunity, Dave, for, for when Panthers come in that maybe left after their sophomore year or junior year in college, I mean, the opportunity to, to have a place where right down the road from where they're going to practice, they could also take classes or take a class or and continue Absolutely. their education. I mean, it's, it, it just makes so much sense. Think about how much Wofford got out oh, of the Panthers yeah. being there all the time. Yeah. There's no reason that Winthrop shouldn't be in that same light. Right. Well, I think what's interesting is I think we're seeing teams go away from that camp experience. Yep. I mean, I think what we're seeing down the road is going to be the, the training camp down the road. I mean, that's that's I think that's just the writings on the wall there. Um, I but- think if you're a Winthrop fan, and I don't necessarily mean athletics, I think that potential partnership or the Panthers coming into the community, and clearly Dr. Halpin and several other people have done an amazing job of cultivating that relationship, that's something to really be excited about. Oh, no doubt. I mean, just the, the opportunity to you know, to put, you know, a good rising collegiate brand with in an NFL franchise. I mean, you, you take it every day and twice on Sunday. This is the Bearded Carcast. That's Mike Pacheco. I'm Dave Friedman. Send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Yeah. Tweet at us. Like us, share us, subscribe us. 
listen to back episodes. There's right. a Mark Prosser episode back in like season one or right, two. Right. Go to the 19 minute mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, what's funny. I tweeted that this morning, you know, Mark Prosser is yeah. going to be named head coach today. And if you want to hear a little bit of Mark Prosser, go to this bearded car cast from a few years ago. Do you know what bearded car cast that was as in what, like the major topic we were discussing was? Wow. I didn't go back. I don't know. Well, the major topic is that was immediately after the UMBC Virginia game. <laughs> I know where this is going. Yeah. So so you can skip to the 19-minute mark, or you could just start at the beginning and enjoy our our discussion of yeah, that game yeah. and whether or not we were a, a bad decision made by one parent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the NCAA tournament is ongoing and that's where Mark Prosser and Pat Kelsey and any coach wants to be. It'll be Houston and Baylor, UCLA and Gonzaga in the national semifinals on Saturday. Any general thoughts from the tournament thus far. Obviously, we were in Indianapolis. We talked about our experience there on a previous podcast. But but just thoughts on what has transpired, your enjoyment of the tournament thus far. I think what's been interesting is, it. you know, the tournaments tend to come to the same conclusion, if you will. But every year, it's a different story, right? So, and what I mean by that is, I mean, this year, you have two number ones, a number two, and a number 11. Um, and I, I think, now you can't really call UCLA, they're not a Cinderella. Uh, but but they're a great story. They're still a great story. I mean, they lost four straight games going into the NCAA tournament. Uh, they they more than, what, only the second team, I think, to win a play-in game to make it to the Final Four. Yep. Uh, I mean, that to me, that's a that's a sensational storyline. Uh, you know, the, the narrative was Mick Corona was going to be a disaster in L.A. You know, it seems like he's kind of taken L.A. But by, why? Because he's because not, he doesn't play pretty beautiful basketball. Well, that and he's also not a pretty guy. Like he's not you know right. So he's Ben Howland. Well, maybe maybe. I mean, but Ben Howland was at UCLA and went to three Final Fours and eventually got fired for not playing right the pretty like ball the beautiful yeah. game. Yeah. yeah. But then they had a bunch of years where they weren't going to Final Fours and yeah. they didn't like that so much. Right. So they brought in Mick Cronin, who's a grinder. Who's a grinder, yeah. Uh, other, I guess the other thing I would like to say is, I, I, I mean, Gonzaga was obvious and, and Baylor was probably obvious. I actually had Houston going into the Final Four. Wow, very good. Yeah. Well, I did what you do. I, I, I actually saw a bunch of their games uh, late in the what? year. What? Yeah. Watching <laughs> yes. games? Watching games actually helps me. And I just, I just, I like the way they played in the tournament, in their conference tournament. And I said, I think this team's got to. No, they hit a bunch of threes and they defend. Well, having Kelvin Sampson's a good thing. Yeah, and he's a good I mean, coach. You want good coaches. And when the tournament comes around, so often games turn into meat grinders. And Houston's been incredibly lucky. They've played one of the easiest paths to yeah. ever reach a Final Four. But if they need to get down in a stance and slap the floor and get a stop, by God, they're going to. They have maybe the best single defender in the tournament. And he did have a little bit of a... A hip injury, but he locked up Buddy Beheim. He's kind of locked up the best player on whoever he's played, and Giroux there is is a stopper. But I don't know that there's one guy on Baylor you can put him on and yeah. say, okay, well, the rest of the team can't beat us. The rest right. of the team can and will beat you. 
Well, and they're, I think Baylor, if I remember correctly, they're like second in scoring margin. Right? Well, like, Baylor and Gonzaga second, are the yeah. two best offensive teams in the country. Yeah. And now they're, you know, perhaps poised to meet in the championship game. And Baylor, I mean, Baylor, a team who two of their rotational players played in the Big South. <laughs> I mean, Maceo Teague and, and Adam Flagler, Flagler are, are yeah. two of their they're better Isn't players. Isn't that crazy? Is it, do you think it's Gonzaga's to I mean, it's, it is Gonzaga's to lose at this point. Well, Gonzaga is considerably better than UCLA. Now, I think that to the best of their ability, UCLA will dictate the tempo of the game, and they will slow it down, yeah. and they will try to make it a meat grinder. I, I just think that Gonzaga is not really turnover prone. Right. They have so many different guys. It, it's going to be hard for UCLA to win the game. Can they keep it close? Can they make it interesting? Can they make it ugly? Probably for long periods of time. I just don't know that they can do that for 40 minutes. Now, whoever emerges from the other game, I don't see any reason they shouldn't give Gonzaga a good game, yeah. particularly if it's Baylor. Because we got a text from our good friend Brett Redden. He had asked... Uh, is it possible that Gonzaga could be a, a double-digit favorite going into the championship game? If it's against Houston, I don't think so, but maybe certainly not against Baylor. I have a friend who believes Gonzaga is going undefeated this year and next. Wow. They have the best player in the country signed for next year. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I, I assume that Jalen Suggs isn't coming back, right. but like what Mark Few has done there is remarkable. No, I totally agree. And you know, it's it, you know, we were there 15 years ago, uh, and that they, they just opened up within maybe a year or two their their practice facility in the new gymnasium there. And you know, we've talked about this before, so we don't have to belabor it. But I mean, they're in the WCC, but that's a Power Five program. Yes. And that is possible in the same way that it was possible at Butler or possible at Wichita State yeah. and, and some of those programs. Before we call it a day, though, what have you thought of the tournament in general? Because to me, there has been something that has been incredibly refreshing. And you know I love the upsets and I love just kind of the – the Cinderella's and the one and done's and all, all of that. I know I missed it last year, but watching it this year, I've appreciated it even more. Yeah, definitely. I, I do miss not having the bands. Bands and cheerleaders are missing. Yeah. Huge fans definitely missing. I think there's large reason to believe that those things are going to return. But I will say this. I, I think on the heels of... You know, vaccinations really ramping up. The NCAA tournament, for the most part, you know, it looked fairly normal. I mean, it, you could tell that it was COVID tournament, but still a tournament. Major League Baseball started. It just feels like maybe we're coming out of this funk that we've had for a year. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I don't know if the NCAA tournament is the leader on that in any way, but boy, just Abilene Christian. Yeah. Or Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts. Just it. it it's so refreshing. It's so, it's so relatable. I mean, if you watch the NCAA tournament, you're a Winthrop fan, and you don't cheer for Oral Roberts. I, yeah, I, I, I can't. <laughs> it's the same thing. Right, right, totally. Like I just, I just love that, and it's been such a fun tournament. And I, I can't wait to watch the final four games. I can't wait to yeah. watch the championship game. But come Tuesday. Just not sure what's going to occupy my time. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it'll be the bearded. You'll podcast. be on vacation. I'm on vacation next week, going to Hilton Head. So we're probably 
we're probably beginning our uh, our end of the season, and I mean the Bearded Carcast season because it's season four. This this might be one of the last season four episodes of the Bearded Carcast. Who's getting hired before? in North Carolina? Ooh, I mean just just because we just talked about him, I, I would love to see Wes Miller, but it's I, probably going to be um, Hubert Davis. Hubert Davis. I don't like it. Like I understand North Carolina is always kept in the family. I think that's completely reasonable. They they I mean Roy Williams is yeah. great. But I don't think those guys, Hubert Davis might be great. Mm-hmm. Wes Miller might be great. But if the other options are John Beeline and Chris Holtman, mm. boy, those guys have proven a lot they more. Have proven a lot. Brad Stevens? <laughs> he's not leaving. <laughs> I know he's not leaving. I look at Texas. Texas yeah. freaking hired Chris, Chris Beard. Beard. Yeah. Like, uh, with all due respect to Wes Miller or Hubert Davis, their resume is not anywhere remotely close to Chris Beard. Right. Like, you're North Carolina. You you can hire largely who you want to hire. Maybe not Brad Stevens. Right. But, but you, you've got you're your the pick of the pick litter, of the litter yeah. and you're going to hire a guy from the SOCON or a guy that hasn't been a head coach. Hey, it might work out great. Again, tons yeah. of resources, yep. opportunity to succeed. But now Hubert Davis is going to go try to outmaneuver uh, Chris Mack and Mike Krzyzewski and Jim Beheim. Yeah. Boy, that's – I'm not saying it's not going to work, but yeah. – uh, it, it's a difficult task. It's, Whereas if you hire John Beeline, he, he's already done that. Record. Yeah, it's a track record, track record thing. All right. Well, uh, I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll have some bearded carcasses throughout the uh, the spring and summer. But uh, we, we we want you to leave. We want to leave you wanting more. Not right. Less. I mean, we could talk about baseball. We could talk about baseball. What let's, would let's, we say? I have not really dialed into baseball. Right. Me neither. Now I have. I did tape because uh, it was late last night. I did tape the White Sox game. I thought I was going to have more time today to watch it, but we've been kind of consumed with the uh, the Mark Prosser and, and Winthrop stuff, which is and great. And there it is, our 2021 MLB preview. <laughs> <laughs> Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com. Subscribe, like, share, tell your friends about it. Uh, I, I will say, uh, not with real numbers, just, just more anecdotal, but. I have noticed from year to year, uh, season to season, the, the you know the, we went from like twenty to now forty five an episode. So keep telling people about this. We we want to keep growing it and have we have fun with it. And we hope you do. We're approximately a hundred thousand away from being profitable. But remember, right. this is listener, listener funded. supported. Yeah, it's listener supported. Bearded car cast. It is now seven GMT. <laughs> All right.